Hey, John, how's it going, buddy? Good, man. How are you doing? Good, buddy. Good, buddy. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on, man. I, because uh... it's what the world needs is yet another podcast episode. We don't have a man- we don't have enough sales uh, podcasts, so the- we need one more. We uh, don't, right? So, uh, hey, everybody's got their own flavor to it. So, <laughs> why not? That's right. Uh, so, what have you been up to these days? Not much, man. I don't know if you remember me. Uh, I do. After looking at it, it done it, you know, because Jelly Vision, it was Jelly Vision, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got a good memory. Yeah. Um, I, I was trying to rack my brain and then I'm like, all right, yep. That, and that was an interesting, uh, that was an interesting engagement. I fucked up, but that was actually a <laughs> story on that one. That's right. That's right. Uh, with, with how I fucked that one up hard. Like, I, cause I, cause I remember it was, it was your CEO or something that was on That's the right. That's right. Completely fucking, I tell this story once a year and maybe we can actually have this conversation sure. uh, during, during the, to the podcast. But I, rem- I, I tell everybody, you know, because I go back to back to back to back to back meetings, right? So it's always like next to next, 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 next. Sometimes I just get fucking lazy. And, and, I, <laughs> and I don't, usually I go through my prep the night before, I go through my checklist of what the company does and all this stuff and kind of come up with my logical, thoughtful questions and all that other shit. And, but sometimes I'm just like, fuck it. You know what? It's the same goddamn conversations. I go through the motions, right? And inevitably when that happens, when I get lazy, Inevitably, what happened during Jelly Vision happened to me. Whereas I kind of go through the motions, I do my thing, I tell my little pitch and all that other stuff. And then midway through, somebody's like, so could you tell us what you know about us? Or could you like, hey, John, by the way, I'm a CEO and I haven't fucked, you haven't asked me one goddamn question you might want. And I'm like, holy shit. And I'm like, why do you think, so you're a guy that knows this, you teach this. And it'd be interesting to hear your perspective on, you know, you say it's back to back, but like, what, how do you, how do you think that happens? Like, what is it well, just because you're, you're too crazy busy and I just booked my time, you know, too much back to back or are there other things going on? I think that's a, that's a part of it. I think the, I think the main thing that happens is you just, you kind of get a little comfortable with your success and how good you are at what you do. And therefore, you just kind of like, oh, come on. Like, I literally have this, this, you know, 95% of this conversation I've had a thousand times before. So how much different can it, and this is what goes kind of, I think, sure, not, sure. Maybe not consciously, but maybe subconsciously in your head. Like, really, do I really have to prepare for another company that has 30 sales reps <laughs> and outbound? And it's like, yeah, 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 whatever. But it's oh. funny because it, it's almost like, it's like, I, I use it attuned to driving, right? I, here's, I mean, I just kind of thinking this out loud, but think about driving, like driving is like riding a bike, right? You, you just, okay, fuck it. And, but as soon as you stop really, like every once in a while, when you stop paying attention, when you're driving, something fucked up happens. You know what I mean? Like all of a sudden you've like, you, oh shit. Right. And you're like, oh my God, oh my God. And that's kind of where I think a lot of people go on autopilot because it's driving. I'm, I'm on the same roads I drive every day. I take the same left turn every single day. I know how to get to my Dunkin' Donuts by cutting through people. You know what I mean? Like, and then every once in a while, you take that for granted and you get in an accident. And so how do, you, how do you train yourself? How do you change that? Beha- I mean, it doesn't happen frequently, obviously, to you. But when that happens, do you kind of, does it kind of jolt you? Oh, 100%. And- and then you kind of like, I don't want to be on cruise control, but then it never, it's like when you get pulled over by a police officer, like you go slow for a while right. and then you're like speeding up again, like a couple miles later. <laughs> yeah. Like, like I said, it about once a year, 
about <laughs> I kind of find myself getting into the, Hey, I got so many other things going. It's almost in, in as a business owner, right? I mean, there's a million other things that we're focused on, right? Trying to run a business, manage people and those type of things. And, and look, if sales was my 100% job and that was it, I, that might not happen to me. That might not because I could be prepared for everything. But literally when you walk into a day where you got 15 meetings, sure to have an investor call. You have to do this. You have to deal with customers who are pissed. You have to do all this other stuff. And then there's a sales call that pops on your calendar. Out of all the things you prepare for, that's an easy one to say, eh, fuck it. You know what I mean? Like, let me see what happens here. But, you know, I notice this too, even with podcasts, sometimes I'm invited on podcasts or I have people on and sometimes I phone a podcast in. Yeah. Right. I don't do the research and it's, it's fine. It's whatever, you know, it's not going to, you know, no one's listening anyway to my podcast, but it, you, you feel the difference when you prepare, like, you know, Howard Stern, when you listen to him interview a Rogan, like these guys are well-prepared and the interviews are just better and it's more considerate. Someone's taking their time out. I've had people on the podcast where I'm kind of winging it. They, they know, I know it's like, dude, haven't you read my book? Like this is like in chapter one, it's like embarrassed. You know, it's, it's the same kind of thing though. Totally. And I, and I think like, so recently I had Chris Voss on my podcast. Oh my God, dude. What a genius. And holy shit. Yeah, right? yeah. And, and I was actually, and that got me to be there. Cause a lot of times I'll roll into a podcast. Sure, like, sure. I'll, I'll check the, I'll check the LinkedIn. I'll look at sure, the history sure. and see what the person's doing, but I ain't going to read their fucking book. Right? <laughs> and so, and so, you know, but with Chris Voss, I'm like, I, I was definitely afraid of asking him questions that everybody else has already asked. So, I mean, I spent hours prepping for that one. You know what I mean? I listened. Did you feel the difference? Like, as opposed to, obviously you can't do that with every, you know, you talk about tier one, tier two, tier three. Like, this is a tier, did you feel the difference as a, as a, as a host? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what it did was it allowed me to ask, I think, more thoughtful questions in the sense, it's the same thing with preparing for a meeting, right? Like, if I go to your, and I go through my checklist, right? And okay, what do you do and those type of things? But when I actually look at your business and I do prep and I really come up with like questions that I'm, I'm actually curious about, that's where that's I, the key, man. Well, those are the best, those are the best qualification meetings I ever have because I'm real, I'm genuinely curious, right? And I think that's what happened with Chris Voss was, I was, I mean, fuck everybody else listen to that podcast. I was there to learn, you know what I mean? And I was just like, and there was a lot, there's a lot of stuff that he talks about that actually conflicts with some of the stuff that I believe in. And so I was kind of pushing him. I'm like, well, okay, but you know what I mean? And, and you know, he had great answers for him. Some of my, I kind of was like, all right, whatever. But others I was like, yep, nope, you're fucking spot on on that one. So you know, I think the, we, I was having this, uh, I had a podcast this morning with Sean Fowler over at, um, at sales loft. And the thing that we honed in on was like, how do you teach genuine curiosity? Such a great topic. Right. And, and, and first, like we have to even define that because people can think they're being curious, but they're really, and you could, you could always tell like when you watch a Stern, love him or hate him. If yeah. you watch Stern interview anybody, that guy's probably the best, like in terms of curiosity, he's in it, man, yep. in it. Like he'll he be going, I mean, you'll, you can actually watch where he'll be going down a path and then the, the person will say something and he'll go, huh? And go fucking that way. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah, fuck everything that we were just about to talk about. You just said something that was bananas fucking cool. Let's talk. Cause I am like, that is crazy shit right there. Right. And I think that's the tell, right? Like I was doing, a, this was interesting. I was doing a cold call coaching session and the woman picked up the phone. The rep asked for permission to talk. She goes, yeah, but I'm, I'm getting my hair done. I only have a minute. And the rep went right into the pitch 
But if you were genuinely curious, you might say, well, you're getting your hair, are you getting it? Like it was a, it was a woman talking to him, you're getting yeah. a perm, you get, I don't know what the language is, but yeah. a girl talk. you're getting a yeah. perm, you're getting a color. But I think that's, you're exactly right. I think that's the tell, which is, are you going off script? Are you going down? Are you zigging? Are you zagging? Yeah. And, and, and it's that, yeah. And that, your spot, like you can tell when somebody's just asking the questions. To ask yeah. Them. yeah. Yeah. Versus asking the question and saying, fuck, that was interesting. You know what I mean? Like, like, whoa, 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 what? And, and, and it's funny because I'm watching Morgan, right? My new guy, Morgan Ingram, you know, I'm watching him go through that evolution of, of kind of, he was an SDR and an SDR manager, but he had never done full cycle sales. And so I'm watching him make that transition, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And because when he was first doing the qualification stuff, he was just going through his sure. routines. And, and he's now working with him. He's kind of evolved to, I can now listen to his calls and I can tell, ooh, he, he finally got it. You know what I mean? Like he picked up on that. How did that. you coach him to that? Like taking the bumpers off the, the bowling lane almost, right? I mean, how do you get yeah, him? Yeah, so it's like a, it's a science art thing, right? In the sense that, um, you know, you got to, in my opinion here, you have to give him structure, not scripts, but structure to say, okay, ask the questions in this kind of order, but here's how you can have and flow within that. Mm-hmm. And we actually use Costello. So are you familiar with Costello? No, I've never heard of it. So check out Costello. It's a kick-ass tool. It's a note-taking tool where you can pre-build templates on how to take notes, but then it feeds, it's, it's dynamic in the sense that it uses artificial intelligence to, as you're taking the notes, like say, say you and I were talking and I was like, all right, man, you know, what's, um, uh, what's, uh, what's there's tech stack. Right. And you're like, Oh, we use Salesforce and sales, whatever. Right. And it, and as I was typing that, it would say, bing, bing, bing. Hey, um, if they said that, then ask these questions. Oh my God. Right. Is that that distracting or no, you find it complimentary? Cause it takes a little while to get used to. And I think like you and me that have been in sales forever, I think it would be. Um, but I think for a kid who's just moving in, it's necessary. And so what we did was, you know, and then I listened to his calls through gong and that type of stuff. And I'd be like, I would highlight the area that I thought he missed. Cause you, I mean, when I'm listening to a sales call, we can hear where the client said something where you and I would stop the fucking presses and go all in on that. Whereas an untrained sales rep would just blast right through that. Right. Sure. So I purposely highlight in all of his calls, there's the fucking point where you should have shut up and gone deep on that. Right. Cause you missed it. And I don't know if you know, you missed it because you obviously did. Right. But that's, that's it. And so- Back in the day, dude, you and I, we didn't have these tools like chorus, dude, like, but we picked this shit up because like, you know, we were, I don't know, dude, we were watching people doing it. Like, like back in the day when they were learning how to be like a black, uh, you know, learning how to put a, a thing on a horse, yep. like you just watch someone doing it. Now we've got all these tools, but isn't it as simple as like, just watch someone doing it and picking it up. Like, I know we have these tools to make it more efficient, but like, so there's part of me that's like, man, <laughs> just like, remember Bob Ross on TV used to paint the trees. You're like, you just watch the guy paint, right? <laughs> so, so I use that as a perfect example, right? Um, science, art. Um, you know, my first major in college was art, right? Oh, I didn't um, know that. I didn't know that. And, and I thought I was going to be a fucking artist. And then I got first semester in and saw how woeful, like I was the best artist in my 500 person high school, right? I get to a 35,000 student college at University of Maryland and I sit in there and the first day I look at fucking these kids in school and I'm like, oh my God, like I'm not that guy. But like Picasso's my favorite artist, right? But, and I'd never be Picasso, but if you take, if you give me a paint by numbers and tell me put yellow there, orange there, red there, and then let me mix the colors, I can come pretty damn close. And that's kind of the way I look at leadership and sales training. Awesome, great analogy. Is to, it's kind of like, you ever done paint night? You ever done the the paint night thing? 
No, what is that? So where, where are you based? I actually didn't even look at that. I'm in Boca, you? Boca, where your grandparents probably live near me. In okay, Boca, okay, so I don't know if they have it around you, but in Boston and a bunch of other cities, it's called paint night, where you go to a bar with your date, you know, girlfriend or whatever it is, and you, you get hammered, and somebody, that, and there's an easel for everybody with a paint set already set up. And then there's the instructor, and, and what it is is they'll pick a painting, so like Monet or whatever, right? And they'll say, we're going to paint that tonight. And you're like, and, and so now for me, I look at it and I'm like, all right, cool. I can kind of, you know, I can figure this out. My wife, on the other hand, she's a scientist. Okay. She's a, she's a environmental scientist. She's climate controllist. She's about the furthest thing from an artist you've ever seen. Okay. She has trouble writing, making stick figures. Okay. So for somebody like her looking at a Monet, you'd be like, how the fuck am I even going to come close to that? But what the artist does is the artist says, all right, now pick up brush number three, dip it in the blue. Paint the bottom corner of the, the bottom right-hand corner in blue. Now pick up brush number two and dip it in yellow and paint the, you know, yellow. And then at the end, everybody's shit looks like the Monet. You know what I mean? I mean, some are better than others. Sure. But every, you can recognize it. You're like, yeah, that's, that's scream right there. You know what I mean? So um, I think that's kind of the way I look at sales enablement, sales training, leadership is to provide that framework so the reps can paint within Love the structure. It but still allow them to paint. Love it. Oh, it's a great, it's a great analogy. It's a, it's a great analogy. It's uh, it's very Bob, it's very Bob Ross. Yeah. I, and, and, you know, but it's, it's, I don't know. I, it's, it's something that I think, I think the new, um, uh, new, I, I think predictable revenue with the segmentation of roles, I think that's significantly stunted growth of sales reps. Because to your point, when you and I were growing up in sales, it was, Hey, here's a fucking territory kid. <laughs> like, getting the fuck up. Right. And, and you were like, okay, so you had to full call, you had to meet, you had to close, you had to do all of it. And the sad part, the, the, the bad part about that was that a lot of people who got into sales got out real fast because they were like, I can't fucking do all this stuff. It's a nightmare. I'm, I'm out, which, which is bad because there's probably a lot of people that could have been great at sales, but got scared away because they had to do too much. Totally. Now the barrier to entry is almost nothing. Like you're in your, your barrier, your, your first sales job is an inbounds taking calls of people who want your shit. You know what I mean? We even have, I don't even remember the word inbound when I was coming up. Like, no, there wasn't <laughs> such a thing. There wasn't such a thing. And then, <laughs> then you graduate. So it, now it takes we name this podcast, two old guys talking about sales. That's what we should name right. this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Back okay. in my day, there were no right. such thing as inbound leads, a chorus. Back Actually, in my day. pretty funny. We should do one of those, you know, the, <laughs> the two old guys and the Muppets are sitting about <laughs> what do you want to chat about? i mean like i think we could probably take i don't this. know we could have been done already this right, well, I've, been, I've been recording so i might just say fuck it yes. this is a pretty good this is yeah. a pretty good conversation i don't know dude i you know whatever you want i i thought what would be an interesting one uh, if you want to jam on a little bit is uh we could talk about two things um one of them is i thought would be interesting which is this idea of messaging that always sounds too hypey. Like we are in a world where everyone's increasing everything by 50% or 100% or triple digits. And it's, start, it's starting to sound like six minute abs. I love it. Yeah. And, and what do we do to not be so hypey so that people are less skeptical about what we're saying? Because I think when we're too hypey, it's too unbelievable. So we yeah. can talk a little bit about that. Definitely. We can also talk about something else that I thought would be interesting too, which is uh, really would be in your domain, something you're super good at, uh, which is, this idea of how do you 
if you're a sales coach or a sales trainer or even a salesperson and you want to teach someone something or explain something, you've probably never been taught how to teach. And just because you know something doesn't necessarily mean you can teach it. And so what are some principles that you can learn to be able to explain things clearly? Because I get on discovery calls all the time and I'm like, I don't understand. Or people tell me what they do at networking, but I literally have no idea. Or I go approach a salesperson at a vendor booth. I have literally no idea what they're talking about. Almost all the, literally. And so, and there's a, there's a cost to that when you confuse people. Totally. I don't listen. (laughs) You know, we can talk about that too. Cause, cause I think there's that, that, um, that nervous energy, if you will. And I can sense it with Morgan where he's so excited to talk to the person when it's his time to go. It not only do the, sometimes the, the train of thought, you can track the train of thought, but he's, he's put, he pushed so many words into it that you kind of lose like, okay, wait a minute. What the fuck do you do now? And it's almost like you just want to stop and say, look, we do sales training. (laughs) And then be like, okay. And then the two sections are filling the funnel, driving to close thumbs up. Okay. Now, you know what I mean? So it's like, and I think this messaging piece, cause we're, we're focused a lot right now on messaging of like sales ready messaging. How do you, how do you come with something that's going to wake people up? Totally. And I, and I, and I used to be on the bandwagon of numbers are the best, right? Hey, we showed this client in your industry how to triple their results and blah, 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 blah. But I think again, it's gotten so overused that people just don't trust it anymore. They don't right? trust it. So, and a lot of times those numbers are skewed, right? Like when you really drill into that, it's like one person that achieved that result, but everybody, you know, there's like, there's all that madness, yeah. you know, to it. and it is in this world of fake news and fake this and promises. I think those kind of promises. And so how do you sound a little bit less hypey yeah. while still being able to get people interested in that? And you're really, I mean, I could tell a great story. I don't know. You probably don't even remember this man. The first day I met you, uh, it was at a conference with Max when Max was not as big as Max is now. Yeah. yeah those first were, sales were, ones. Were, yeah. About 15 people watching you in a small room. Yeah. And I'll never forget what you said, dude, that it actually changed who I am as a person and it changed my life and how I sell and changed, changed everything. It was, it was one sentence and I never forgot it. And it was 12 years ago. Oh, you, had a, you had a screen up and it was some statistic and some guy in the audience asked you, Where that, where's that statistic from? And you said, I don't know, dude. I have no idea. I don't know, I just read it somewhere. And I was like, <laughs> I was expecting you to like cite something like a college professor. And in that moment, I'm like, this guy is, a, is real. That's the that word that came to my mind. Like he's showing that he doesn't know. He doesn't care. It's not relevant. I'm trying to make a point. Let's go on with our life. Right. And, and, and that is a very attractive trait in a salesperson to not have to think that you have all the answers. Yeah. In fact, when you have all the answers, if you've ever been around a know-it-all, you don't like them. Yeah. Like I've never liked being around someone that knows everything. God, no. uh, so this, tr- this trait of being able to have in your arsenal, I don't know. I have no idea. Want me to. If right. Right. I, think, I, think said, I think you said something like that, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it, it reminds me of, you know, Cheryl Crow a while back in Florida was doing a concert and she forgot the lyrics to one of her most famous songs. Uh, I don't even remember what the song was. It doesn't even matter, but she forgot the lyrics. And she just said, you know, I forgot the lyrics. Can anyone help me out? And she put the microphone to the audience and they start singing the lyrics and they were with her because she kind of showed her vulnerability. 100%. And it's the same thing with messaging, right? If you take a look at messaging, instead of saying, we're going to increase your sale. I got a message yesterday, Josh, we're going to scale your sales DNA company. We're going to make you seven figures. We're going to increase your this by 40%. Instead, if you did it in a more John Burroughs, less hypey way, you might say something like this. 
hey, Josh, let's talk about how we can make you more money so you can afford to buy more cool triathlon stuff. Right. Like that, that right there is going to be like, oh, more money is better than seven extra revenue, mm-hmm. $7 million. Like all these hypey claims, they don't seem believable because they're just too hyped up. It's like saying six-minute abs. Yeah. What if somebody comes up with five, six? <laughs> um, yeah, it, absolutely. So, all right, cool, man. Well, let's, I'm probably, actually, I'm probably going to kick this like off just with our, like, okay. that conversation, but let's kind of dig into some of that stuff sure. now. Uh, I'll kind of do the formal break here and I'll let my guys cut up this. However, the fuck. Yeah, let me just, uh, let me just blow my nose real quick. Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, Craig, I've been telling her about you for 15 years. Scooch does get to you. Hi, John Burroughs. Hi, nice to meet you. What's your name? Jenna. Jenna, how are you, Jenna? Nice to meet nice, you. Nice to meet you. So, yeah. is the podcast happening? You're on it right now. You're being yeah, we're on it right now. Oh, <laughs> it's not live. Don't worry. It's not live. We're going to scale your company. Yeah, we're going to scale your company. There you go. Good job. Huh? There you go. I love it. <laughs> nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. Love it. All right, dude. I'm ready to go. Awesome, man. All right. So I'll do a quick little intro. What's up, everybody? Make it happen Monday. Flip it over to you. Kind of explain where you're coming from, what sales DNA is all about, and then we'll dive right into it. Okay. All right. right, Here we go. Good afternoon, everybody. This is John Barrows. Make it happen Monday. Hopefully you had a fantastic weekend. I am very interested in our guest today because he is actually an example of when I fucked up hard in sales. He's the he can remind me. I was actually just reminded of it when we were having this conversation. Going, oh damn it. Uh, we can get into that for a minute. But Josh, um, talk to everybody about you know what you're doing these days, sales DNA, what that's all about, where you're coming from. Introduce yourself to the audience here. John Burroughs, thanks for having me. On and I am the guy that remembers when John Burroughs messed up. So if you ever want to hit me up and you want to hear that story, you can email me anytime. I work uh, for a company called Sales DNA and I help people sell things. And that's what I do. That's about as simple as it is. What's the focus of Sales DNA? I mean, because I can kind of focus on like both of us, like we help people sell shit, but we're, and this is, I think, the conversation that we're going to have as far as messaging is concerned to simplify it. But, you know, my focus is, is you know, prospecting and that the negotiation piece. Like, what are the sides of the sales process that you help out with? Yeah. So, the problem that I typically solve for people is when they're sending lots of emails or they're making lots of cold calls and they're hearing crickets yeah. and they are copying and pasting lots of templates, they're doing 15 touches. By the way, my wife didn't even want to be touched 15 times on our honeymoon, let alone your prospects. Don't even know who you are. Yeah, touching is such a weird thing. Uh, responses back that they want, and they're wondering why, because they've used every template, and they've sequenced things 15 times, and yet they're still not hearing anything back. And so I help people start more conversations with people they want to get in front of. Love it. Love it, man. I mean, we're, same, we're in the same world, and, and I think there's a million ways to skin this cat, right? But one of the things that we started talking about um, earlier is, is the messaging, right, and how it's evolved. Like, that's where we're focused a lot of our efforts on right now, which is we call sales-ready messaging, right? The difference between sales-ready messaging and marketing messaging, and, and not too many people know the difference. Um, and so help me understand, like, what are you seeing from a messaging standpoint that is, is getting overused right now? Because I think we're both on the same page right now. And then, what, then how, do we, how do we course correct here with where things are going? So, John, how do you feel when you see an ad that says, I can help you lose 40 pounds in 20 days? So first of all, I think it's bullshit. Um, <laughs> second of all, if I lost 40 pounds, I'd be a fucking stick. I, I'm, not, I'm not jacked by any stretch. But man, if I lost 40 pounds, I, I would look like a fucking... Anyways, um, but, but also, 
Um, I personally have a very big problem with the word help when it comes to prospecting, because before you know me, fuck you, whether you can help, you have no idea whether you can help me or not. Right. Like now middle of the sales process, you you know what I mean? You can say, Hey, John, based on what I just learned about you, this is how we can help. And that's where I want to learn that. But anytime I have a rep, I actually shredded a rep one time who came in and told me they can help me with my conversion ratios. And this was when I was selling outsourced IT services. They were like, Oh, we can help you do this. I go, really? And I got up on my whiteboard and I literally mapped out every single conversion section of my, of my sales process. And I mapped out exactly what our conversion ratios were and how they actually compared to industry standards and I've not, and, and they were better than every, everybody else. And I was like, so t- tell me again, how you can help me. And the kid fell apart. So a, I usually don't believe it. B, uh, I have a real hard problem with people telling me they can help do shit before they know me. So you're straight, you're hitting on the number one problem, which is most people that are selling haven't done the job of the person that they're selling to. So I'm an SDR out of school or I'm an AE selling to a chief technology officer And because I don't know their job, they can smell it, right? If you're a black belt in karate and a green belt is calling you to give you karate lessons, you can smell it because it's not crispy. Your example is a great one. They gave you a vague, generic, I can help you lose 40 pounds. But meanwhile, the real specific crispy thing is about 50 granular steps. And you have to know your prospect's job as well or if not better than them because I don't want to be talking to a green belt if I'm a black belt. From a brown belt, I want someone calling that's a black belt. And so that's, that's the problem is how do I get to know my prospect's job specifically? Like we drill in, like when they come to work every morning, John, what is he doing at 9 a.m.? What is he doing at 10 a.m.? Is he taking 50 steps? Do I know what those 50 steps are? And that's the core of the problem is that we're barking print. I used to call this when I used to be an elementary school teacher. We'd have these five-year-olds that could read fluently. Mm-hmm. But then you ask them a comprehension question and they had no idea what you were talking about. And that's what's happening now with scripts. When you kind of dig down and you ask her, what does that mean specifically at a crispy level, you kind of get these, I, I don't know, I've just been told to kind of sit. And you can smell that. If you call John Burroughs and you're not crispy selling IT stuff, in about five seconds, you can smell that, I would imagine. A hundred percent. And I think that, you know, it's, and truth be told on this one, this is, you, I don't know, I don't know if, do you do like actual training, like full day stuff in front of a group, right? So, so like yourself and Ask this question next time, and this is this is mind blowing to me. But it happened to me, so I'm going to put myself in the same bucket. Um, I was selling outsourced IT services to to you know SMB, but a lot of times it was CTO, CIO, who I was talking to, whatever it is. Ask the question to a group of people who sell a technical solution to a CTO, CIO, CISO, or whatever it is, and ask them what the difference between a CIO and a CIO, uh, CIO and a CTO is. You'll get fucking cricket. Literally, out of forty people that I like, who's in my class on a you know that type of thing. If I ask that question, maybe two or three hands will go up that actually know the difference. And I'm not even talking about knowing what these people do on a day to day basis. I'm talking about a fundamental job description of a CIO compared to a CTO, and they're selling a technical solution, and they don't know the difference. Yeah, and and the, and, and the problem with that, John, to your point, is if I'm going to hire a personal trainer. I don't want a personal trainer to say to me, what do you want to work out today? Right. Like, I, I want to be talking to someone that can bring me new ideas and perspectives because everyone wants to get better. Yeah. It's a universal trait. We all want to level up. But if I can't bring you better, if, you, if they're an eight and you're a two, yeah. not a match, right? So let's talk a little bit about how do, you, how do you level up and improve your skills so that you can be 
an eight, a nine, or a 10. I got a couple of ideas, John, and I would love to hear your perspective. But one of them that I think is relatively easy is I always suggest that SDR start something that I call a lingo library Google Doc and sit in on discovery calls and forget about what the rep is saying. Just ignore the rep and just listen to what's going on in the company that actually is causing them to want to talk to a salesperson because no one wakes up and wants to talk to a rep. Something's going on in their company. There's a bunch of struggles and things happening. I don't wake up one day and decide I'm going to buy a $7,000 Tempur-Pedic mattress. A lot of things have to happen. My wife has to be complaining and I have to flip the thing like seven times. Like the last thing I'm doing is walking into a Tempur-Pedic store to talk to a rep. And what are those struggles happening? Like how do they use their words, not marketing words, but their lingo and just start a Google Doc and just start writing down the lingo. I love that. And this is also why I recommend doing uh, stuff like um, jumping into. So now the cool thing that we're playing around with is like Slack channels and those type of things. And and they're kind of taking the place of LinkedIn groups. But I used to join LinkedIn groups of my personas that I was reaching out to, not to troll for leads, but literally just to listen, to sit there and say, what kind of questions are they asking? What type of challenges are they trying to address? And hey, look, if I can if I can chime in and add some value to that, I will. Uh, but these Slack channels right now are great ways of just listening to those those words, those trigger words and 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 their lingo, right, to your point. Um, because once you can start to internalize that, you can start to, I don't believe you actually have to know everything about your product or solution or whatever it is to be successful. I think you need to know enough to have context on your questions and layering your questions and be genuinely curious. And then once you get to a point where you can tell you can make a difference, then you bring the quote unquote smart kids in like the sales engineers and those type of people, right? To, to actually answer those detailed questions. But that's not the reason that people buy. People buy because they make an emotional connection to something that is either going to make them money, money solve, them, solve their problems or whatever it is. And the details are meant to make sure they're making the right decision, right? It, it's a great point. And oftentimes, especially with outbound, and I'd be curious to hear your perspective on this, people don't really have problems, right? They're, they're getting by just fine and you're calling them. And from their perspective, it's like, I just take 20 steps to do this thing. I'm not, that's just how it is. As a salesperson, you have a unique ability to be able to say, hey, you know, there's a, there's a way to do this that might not be on your radar. Instead of it taking 20 steps, are you aware that it can be done in six? So it's not like there's a problem that they're coming to you with. You're almost like a problem finder. You're, you're looking to see what are they doing and what are other people like them doing in a smarter way that they might not know about. That's the advantage a salesperson has, right? The prospect is in their world, but you are in lots of worlds. And that's like crack to someone. Like I want to know what other people training for an Ironman race are doing to not have to train 30 hours a week and ruin my marriage. Like, I want to know, like, how do I do it in 10? If someone were to cold call me and say, hey, Josh, I know you're training for an Ironman. Are you aware that instead of training for 30 hours, you can train for 10 and get the same results? I'm all ears, man. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and, I, and I think you're spot on with that. And in, in, in my kind of mentality these days is, like me calling to educate you on features and functions of shit I do, like just cut the shit. Like that stuff is like Google ruined that for sales in the sense that like it used to be our job, right? Because you couldn't find out the information any other way. Like you didn't even know a solution like mine existed before the internet, right? Before Google. And so it was 100% when I co-called you and said, hey, Josh, what's up? I got this solution that can drive your sales by 30% and this is how we do it. You'd be like, well, shit, man, I never heard of that before. Well, let's talk. But now it's a Google search away of anything, right? So I genuinely believe that our job from an outbound standpoint is, is to get people to think, to get you to realize that A, you could be doing it better, or B, you might be fine today, today, but tomorrow, 
Who fucking knows what's going to happen? There's going to be an app that comes out that makes your job irrelevant. Your industry is going to get fucked up by artificial intelligence. So if you're not paying attention to the potential options out there, you're, you're, you, could get, you could be irrelevant. And that's what I think our job is, is to, get, is to ask you that question, to, give you, to say something to you that gets you to pause for three seconds and go, shit, I, either A, I didn't think of that, or B, what do you mean by that? It, it's a great point. I'll tell you a quick story. My wife and I were in the mall. I was trying to kill some time as I often do because she's in the shoe store for God knows how long. And I just went into a running store. I didn't need anything. Um, I walked in and if the sales associate said, what brings you in today? Nothing. Can I help you? No. But she didn't ask any of those things. She noticed I was wearing running sneakers. She goes, you run? I go, yes. She goes, how long? I go, half marathons and full. She goes, have you ever had a gait test? I go, what is that? She goes, well, jump on the treadmill. And I jump on a treadmill. She's videotaping me. And it turns out I have pronated feet. And she goes, you know, if you're running long distances and you have the wrong sneakers and you have pronated feet, you could get injured. And as an old Jewish man trying to do a marathon, that scares the bejesus out of me. Holy and shit. 10 minutes later, I'm buying $250 sneakers. So I didn't, yeah. walk, I didn't walk in with a problem. Right. And maybe it turns out I didn't have pronated feet, but I could actually see on the video that my feet were in fact pronated. And I don't know, dude, if maybe the sneakers were the right, I don't know, I, but I believed yeah. her. Believe like it. I believed it. It's marketing. And I'm, I was in, but that's to your point. It's like, we have to be, we have to be looking out for how we can help people be a little happier. They might not know what's, po- it's about what's possible. Right. And, and to your point, what, what bad thing is about to happen to me if mm-hmm. by running in the wrong sneakers like yeah. tomorrow, what do I not know? Right. I, I want to talk about something else, John, that you mentioned in the pre-show, which is this idea of percentages, you know, everybody, and I, when I, dude, I learned sales from you. And I'm going to tell us, I want to get to this story about how my first interaction with you, because I think it really dovetails into this. So stay yeah. tuned for that. It's a great story. But this idea of like, we can increase this by 20% and we did this by 100%. And we, these messages to me sound like the equivalent of saying we can get you, you know, six minute abs in, in eight minutes. And even if it's true, which it probably isn't, right? If we had a stats guy looking at it, it's like maybe one person. Achieve. It's, it's noise because it's unbelievable because everyone's claiming it. So in our messaging, John, we'd love to hear your thoughts. I have some as well. I'm like, how do I sound less hypey right. so that I don't come across as the six minute ab person? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's tough because I'm struggling with this myself. I, I mean, you, you heard, you said it, like I used to train and I still do to a certain degree, but only when it's so relevant that it makes a connection. So I always say the easiest way to come up with a message is to look at the bottom of a case study and then flip that around and say, Hey, you know what? We showed this client in your industry, how to do this. And usually there's a result tied to it, right? Increase their, this decrease that, whatever it is. And the idea there is, okay, and look, I don't know if we can do it for you, but you fit a very similar profile to this client. So is it worth a conversation, right? And I used to be very, very heavy on metrics, like metrics, like everybody speaks, you know, executives speak Excel, everybody else speaks Word, you know, that was a, a whole tagline. Um, but to your point, it's, it's, it's gotten so overused that it's kind of like, as soon as you see it, it's almost like if we, di- even if we dissect, um, uh, the, the why you, why you now email, right? The Jeff Hoffman, why you, why you now email that I train. There's still part of my training, but it's a sure. small, um, you know, small nuance here selling 15 minutes, right? Hey, what's the best way to get 15 minutes on your calendar? I've stopped doing that. You know why? Cause everybody sells 15 minutes and now, so I just pick another number or like I was researching your account. I've stopped saying the word researching because now marketing is picked up on researching and I've been doing some like research on, 
on, um, on, on psychology and brain patterns and those type of things. And what's interesting is like the brain picks up on patterns eventually, whether, you know, consciously or subconsciously, it picks up on patterns. And once it recognizes a pattern, it stops paying attention to it. It just kind of disregards it. So it's almost like it's, it, the why you, why you now email, which is three, you know, three sections and a call to action and three clients. No matter how customized it is now, if you see that enough, you're like, fuck it. This is another one of those things, right? If I see 15 minutes, it's another, if I see another value proposition with a number in it, it's like, I don't believe it. And so I, now it's that, that next iteration. And I think it gets a little bit more towards persona, the challenges that people face. And, and, and I'll stop after this. The one thing I've, uh, you know, I don't know if you're following a lot of the gong data, like gong, uh, right. They have their, their blog is one of my favorite blogs. And, and, you know, they talk about how when people tell stories, they tend to focus way too much on the outcome, like the after, like, look at this fucking, look at what happened. This client was able to do all these crazy things, but they, but what their data suggests is and proves is that you have to focus more on the before than the after. So you have to get me to come, you have to get me to agree that, yeah, that's me, Right. Because the data suggests, like, if you just drop name drop, for instance, if you just not like, hey, I work with Salesforce and LinkedIn and Google and that type of stuff. Look, if you're in that realm, then that, those are great testimonials and stories to use. But if you're not in that, it's using name dropping those companies, like significantly reduce, reduces your chances of getting the deal. So the whole thing about relating first and then I think is where the shift needs to become. It's like, you need to start asking me questions. Forget about statements about how awesome you are. Ask me a question that gets me to go, fuck man, I didn't think of that. Or shit, you're right. You know what I mean? That type of thing. It's a great point. We're talking about what you're saying and how you're saying it, right? So Jason Fried over at Basecamp, when I worked for him, he calls this the why behind the why, right? So he's a great copywriter. And to your point, he doesn't talk about the after state of Basecamp. If you look at their copy, it's all about, what was going on that brought them to the base camp site? So you'll see things like buried in email, mm -hmm. not sure where to find the latest file, mm -hmm. not getting everyone on the same page. These are things that you're struggling with as your company starts to grow. And there's always a story. And he doesn't say, are you struggling? He's like struggling with, it's just a more, ca it's a more casual conversational way to write. And I think in our emails, we feel like we have to write by the book and we have to write by the templates. And to your point, it's what advertising legend David Trott calls, you're a white circle in a sea of white circles. And the yeah. brain ignores it just like you ignore every car in the road. And so to be a red X, you, you, you don't have to write a 170 character email. If you're interesting and you're entertaining and you're relevant and you're having a little personality and people are relating to their world because you're using their words, they will keep reading. Even if it's longer than 170 characters. <laughs> you know, so that's yeah. the, other, the other piece of it. No, I think that it's spot on as far as the, the why, you know what I mean? And the connection that you make to people and the genuine connection. I think that's the, the, the thing I'm struggling with the most right now from a trainer standpoint or from a, a, a teacher or an educator um, in some ways is, is to how do you expedite the giving a shit factor? Right. Like, like, and, and I use this, I've said this a couple of times recently where, you know, Morgan came to me uh, a little while back and, you know, he was, he was an SDR and an SDR manager. And he, he, you know, we came up with our sequences and our cadences and, you know, he came over to me and we're selling and all that stuff. And he was doing a really good job. And, but then his results kind of plateaued. And, and he was like, well, John, you know, I'm a little concerned here because I, I feel like my results should be a lot better than what they are based on what we've done. And he's like, you know, what do I need to do? And I, and I thought about it for a little bit and I said, you know what, Morgan, um, the, you know, the only time your, your results are going to change 
is, is when you start giving a shit. And I said that in a way, like not necessarily, look, I know you give a shit about your job. I know you give a shit about working here, all that stuff. But when you start, when, when you start giving a shit about the customer, genuinely giving a shit about the customer, what their situation is, what maybe their pain points are, those type of things, reading up on them, like really reading up on them, not just looking for a, a trigger to make a connection to, that's when you'll start to see it. And I think there's a little bit of experience necessary for that to happen. Because for him, where he started to kind of catch his sales groove is when he started doing enough trainings, right, delivering trainings, and he started getting the feedback from the people saying, oh, my God, thank you so much. Look at the results I drove. Like, Morgan, that one day was the best fucking day I've ever spent. My, you know, When he started getting that feedback and internalizing, holy shit, we make a difference here, is when he started to get a lot better results because he could just then transla- translate that to somebody in that scenario. So how do you define genuinely curious though? Cause I, you use that word a lot and I kind of get it conceptually, but what does that mean exactly when you say genuinely? Cause I'm like, I'm curious. I'm asking questions. Yeah, like, but, you know, but, genuinely curious. But giving a shit. You know what I like? I, it's hard to define because, because I've, I've, I'm, you know, if you think of like the things we're all blessed with, like I, I've always been very curious in people. Like there's certain people I don't give a shit. I literally don't care about. I'm like, yeah, okay, that that's boring as shit. I am not curious about that at all. But based on my profession and what I do, um, and people who I converse with, like I, I know I'm not. I'm, I'm a state school kid, man. I, I drank my way through four years of college. I, I I learn through experience. I learn through podcasts like this. You know what I mean? Um, asking people like you questions about what your thoughts are on those type of things. So, you know, it's always been there. But to me, it's when you like when you here's here's how I would I guess articulate it, which is you go into a meeting and you have five or six questions that you've prepared, right? So you've you've kind of followed the gong data, you got three themes that you're following, you got 12 to 14 questions that you're gonna ask based on this qualification criteria and all that other stuff. And then it's the Howard Stern comment that I made earlier, which is all of a sudden, you know, midway through this conversation, you say something that's like, well, what? Like, and takes you down a completely different track than you were planning, okay? And it's based on just being like, wait a minute. I, like, I, now I don't care about all that other stuff that, that I had because that is now something that either I can tell is a real big pain point for you or is gonna be the thing that is the reason I'm not gonna win this deal. So I'm gonna stop the presses here and I'm gonna go into that and genuinely care because what I'm searching for is, I always tell people this, look, I'm trying to make this kind of a difference, like for a big difference. Like if I can only make a little bit of a better difference, like if if my shit compared to yours is a little bit better, like why go through the transition and the pain and this, but, but like I'm trying to hunt for this, like where I can walk out and go, oh my God, I made a difference. And if I can't, I'm actually gonna be the first one that tells you, yeah, you know what? We're not a good fit here. I'm good. I'm not great in this scenario. This is where I'm great. And, and I think, I don't know if it's maturity. I don't know if, if, if it's nature nurture, um, but that genuine curiosity has really d- done me a lot of favors in my life um, to, to get to where I am. Well I, well, I think you're bringing up a good point, which is we start with intent, right? If your intent is to ask questions so I can sell, like I'm asking questions so that I could sell rather than what I'm hearing you say, which is I'm not assuming uh-uh. that what I have is what someone needs because the juice might not be worth the squeeze. There's a lot of, look, when I hire John Burroughs, if he messes up, my job's on the line. Yeah. 
I could have a bad reputation. One of them says that sales reps don't like them, which by the way, never happens. So if you're thinking about hiring giant barrels, that this is just a hypothetical scenario for clarity. But I'm just saying that's the, that's what you don't, when you start to interview customers and you start to have a buyer centric mindset, you have to think of all the anxieties that people have. It's a big deal to spend 50 grand. Like on my job, is it going to work? Am I going to get a bad reputation? And you start to have some more empathy. And when you have empathy, you don't come in with that commission breath because people can smell when you're leading them um, with questions, which, which brings me to another point that I want to talk about, John, that I think uh, you're super good at, which is this idea of being authentic, real, and vulnerable. And I just want to tell this story really briefly because it's, it's stuck with me for, I don't know, 14 years. Uh, I met John before he was, you know, big John Burroughs. He was just coming up. He was still the greatest, but he was 15. I got to see him when there was 15 people in a room. I think it was Boston. Sales and Hacker. Sales Hacker. Yeah, but, but when Sales Hacker was small. Yeah, yeah. Um, before Max was famous like he is now. You could actually talk to Max. Not now. I email yeah. Max. I don't hear back. You know, Max. Anyway, <laughs> um, so I'm in the, the fifth row and John's going through his presentation and he gets to a slide and the slide has some stat on it. And some guy in the audience raises his hand and says to John, hey, John, where's that stat from? Now, most of the time when you see slides, there's that little tiny eight point font on the bottom, but John didn't have that slide. And I was expecting John to be able to cite it like a college student would citing a citation. And John says, I have no idea where I got it from. I just, you know, thought it was interesting. And, you know, I, don't, I have no idea. And I'm, I, I was really taken back by that because you don't expect the salesperson that's making a presentation in front of a, a bunch of people to say, I don't know. And I think that's a really admirable trait. I think when you're vulnerable and you say you don't know, you're attracted to that person because nobody, I don't know you, John, but I don't like to be around people that know everything. It's annoying. And, you're, and you were so real in that moment. And you're like, I, I don't remember the exact words you used, but it was something like, dude, I, I don't know. I just found it somewhere. And anyway, this is why I thought it was interesting. Let's, let's kind of keep going on. And you were, the, you were really real in that moment. And I think we're missing that today. I think there's this idea that we have to be so serious and so buttoned up and know everything that we lose that, that sense. You know, if we're, if we're making a cold call, and somebody picks up the phone and you ask them for permission. They say, hey, I have a couple of minutes. I'm getting my hair cut. You don't go into your pitch. You're like, you're getting your hair cut. Are you getting like a, a weave? Are you getting a bob? You know, yeah. you have to stay. And you're so good at that, John. But how do you, like, what are your thoughts on this idea of, of vulnerability and riffing and being in the moment and just being yourself? I mean, no one's John Burroughs, but everyone can be their own version of who they are. Yeah, I think it comes, I think you need somebody, I mean, look, I'm, I, I've always been pretty, you know, upfront and honest, mainly because I suck at lying and, 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 and I know I'm not the smartest kid in the room. You know what I mean? I didn't go to the Harvards, the MITs of the world. I went to a state school and, and had fun. Um, but I think that, that leadership has a lot to do with that in allowing for that failure um, and, and, and encouraging it as a matter is it, of, is it even fail? Is it failure though? I'm like, is well, it failure? I not failure. I mean, like, it's okay to say, I don't know. It's yeah. okay to fuck up. It's okay to click the wrong slide in your presentation. You know what I mean? I'm not going to come down and hammer you on it. But I think unfortunately what we've done is we've gotten into a world where perfection matters. You know what I mean? Everybody's trying to say the perfect thing or have the perfect template or get the perfect score on the MCAS so they can get into the perfect college so they can have the perfect. It's like, and, and I think we're in this social world of like, you know, I always like, you know, Instagram and Facebook and shit like that. Everybody's presenting this 
front of how awesome they are. And there's people that I am friends with that I look at what, I mean, if you just judge them based on their Instagram page, you'd be like, <laughs> oh my God, that's the happiest family I've ever seen in my life. They're the most perfect thing I've ever seen. And, but knowing them, I'm like, they're a fucking train wreck. And they're like, you know what I mean? Like they, I, I was over their house the other day and the fucking guy screamed at his kids and they ran out and, you know, was very pissed and, you know, it's right. like, so, so I think we're just caught in this perception reality world of everybody thinks that they need to be this thing. And it was funny because, you know, my blog posts these days, you know, I've been writing a blog for now five years and it's getting hard for coming up with new shit to say, right? Weekly. <laughs> So you know, every once in a while, I'll repost something that I posted a few few months or years back or something like that. Um, and will you just repost it or will you skin it? Or will you like put a new skin on it? Or do you I'll, just I'll, I'll clean it up a little bit just to make sure it's relevant for the day, but whatever. But for the most part, like you know, 90% of it, I, I kind of, not all of them, like probably one out of four per month, I'll, I'll repurpose, right? But one of them that I was thinking about recently was this one that I wrote a while about called, called Stop Doing What You're Supposed to Do. Mm. And, and and it's the kind and two things happened in my life that woke me up a little bit of that I was going through the motions because I was doing what I thought I was supposed to do. And it was one of them was a personal one where I was uh, senior year in college. I met this girl, like fell in love, blah, 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 moved back to Boston, moved her with me. Seven years later, we're still together. OK, so seven years. Actually, I'm sorry. It was my freshman year in college. Seven years and later, I'm still with her. OK. I knew the relationship wasn't right. I knew it didn't feel right to me, right? Something was off, but I, you know, I- But how long did it take you to know that? Like, how'd you, like, was that- No, I just, it was, it was a, but it, I was, so what do you do after seven years? When you're with somebody for seven years, what do you do? You get married, right? That's what you're supposed to do after that long. Then what do you do? You're supposed to buy a house, right? And then you're supposed to have a kid, right? So I was literally on that path. And even though I felt wrong about it, and thank God she broke it off with me because at first I thought I was devastated. I was like, Oh my God, like, Oh, but then I woke up like literally two days later and was like, it was like this weight was lifted off my shoulders. And I was like, Oh my, Holy shit. Right. So that was moment one. Moment two was when my com- my first company got bought by Staples. I, you know, I, I thought I was the guy to take our little $10 million company and integrate it into this $20 billion organization. And it was my new challenge and everything about it was wrong. Like they, like, I'm not a corporate guy, obviously. Right. I don't fucking zero filter. Uh, I'll call bullshit on anybody. I don't care how high up in the organization you are. And I don't fit into the corporate world. Right. I like working with corporations. I can't work in corporations. So, but, and I knew it was wrong, but I kept fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting because it was what you're supposed to do. I'm not supposed to quit. Like that's, that's for fucking quitters. And then they fired me And again, I was like, wait a minute, that was my company. I built this company. This is my thing. You can't fire me. And, and, and then I, again, two days later woke up and said, so I think those two really had an impression on me about cut the shit, stop going through the motions, wake the fuck up, start making your own decisions and doing, if you have the right intentions in mind. So I think you said a great word there, which is intent. If you have genuinely good intentions of really helping people and not doing it for your commission check, then you can and should and do whatever it is necessary to be real with that person to make that connection. Yeah, and I think to, to kind of dovetail on that and make it a little more tactical, like even on, on cold calls, I mean, I do a lot of training on cold calls and you do as well, and people are sk- sticking to these scripts, but I, I did a cold call yesterday. I do cold calls on behalf of my companies that mm-hmm. I work with. 
And a woman picked up the phone and she was in California. And she said, you know, I'm really, uh, I'm pressed for time right now. I got to go grab some lunch. Now, rather than saying the typical thing, can I call you back? Can I give 37 seconds to see if this is interesting? The, the usual suspects of how do you try to keep someone on the phone? She gave me a little something, which was she's going to lunch. So when you get something like that, you have to do something with it. So she was in California. And I said to her, are you having avocado toast with Himalayan sea salt? Is that what you guys do in California? And she started cracking up laughing. How did you know I was having avocado? Now, did I know? No. Could that have bombed? Yes. But you want to have a little fun with it. And when that hits, which it does, it will, when you find your own rhythm, the the calls are just, the defenses just go down because there's nothing like being real. And it wasn't to do to get a sale. It was just something that came into my head at the moment. I also use a, a, a comedy principle called the rule of three. So Wendy Lieberman's a stand up comedian. She has this joke. Hey, uh, to her husband, I just bought you uh, a present. It's a three-piece bikini. It's a top for me, a bottom for me, and a blindfold for you. So it's the, the usual thing, usual thing. And, the other, and you can use that in sales too, right? So, hey, I'm calling you to talk about, you know, uh, how you can start more conversations with people, how you can uh, maybe close more deals. And also, if you're interested, how to learn the solo to guitar to Hotel California, which I know you've probably been working on for a while. Like, it's that idea to loosen up a little bit in your emails and your cold calls and to react to someone saying, I got, I'm getting a haircut or I'm going for lunch. Or if you hear them biting something, they're eating something. Or if you hear them picking up the phone sometime and they're laughing because someone was telling them a joke, like you got to stay in that. And to your point, John, just be not so rigid and just feel a little loose. And that's what I think you're the best at. Like when my, when I came up and you were certainly my mentor and role model, I'm like, this guy is different because he's real. Like he's a real person, authentic. And you are you. And I think it's not just what you're selling. It's who you are on these calls. Like you have an opportunity to be really memorable because so many people are so stiff. And it's, it's sad, you know, like, um, uh, I was at uh, rainmaker this year and, um, you know, I did my keynote, you know, Kevin Dorsey by any chance. Of course. I'm a huge fan. Love Kevin. Right. Yeah. So him and I were talking cause he did his speech too. And both of us had the same experience usually when some like you or I speak or Kevin speaks, right? Usually, well, I don't know about you, but my goal is for people to come up and say, holy shit, John, that, that was like super interesting or whatever, like the topic, right? Like what I talked about is, was what they come back away with and you know how I presented it. Okay, great. But this time, almost all the feedback was, you know what, man, I really appreciate, you know, you being up on stage here. Cause, cause I just, I loved how authentic you were. Yeah. I loved how real you were. It had nothing to do with my content. It had nothing to do with what I said. It was how I said it and how, authentic. and Kevin had the same example. Like he was like, and both of us were like, what the fuck? Like, this is uncomfortable that this is a thing that, that, that being real, being honest and being authentic is actually a differentiator these days. It is. It is. Totally. But it's true. It's absolutely. And I think it's all, and I think it's a great opportunity. And I think we should give people permission to, uh, to be them. Just be, just be you stop trying to be everybody else. Right. And just be you and find that groove. Right. And, and I'll kind of finish with one of my favorite, uh, you know, examples of this. And and I'm sure I probably already said, said, you probably know it, my favorite sales movie, which is Tommy boy. Right. And, 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 and Tommy boy, if you look at, I always call it catching your sales groove right? Where there's a moment where you wake up and it's just a little bit easier, right? And, and the chicken wings, Helen, you look like a Helen, you know, fucking yeah, that type of thing. Well, if you think about that movie up until that movie, he was trying to be his dad, right? You stick your head up a butcher's ass, but no, that's not the right thing. Right. And, and, and then all of a sudden he was just Tommy boy. You know what I mean? He was just, so 
dipshit self and, and made fun of himself, self-deprecating. And the woman was like, wow, you're twisted. I'll go fire up those wings for you. And that's the groove that I think we need wow. to give people permission. And I think leadership has to encourage it. I think leadership has to encourage mistakes. I think they have to encourage reps to say, I don't know. And you don't have to be perfect on that test. You know, like stop getting out of the MCAS, stop getting out of that type of mentality of standardized testing and just think for yourself for a little bit and give a shit. So love it. Great message, John Burroughs. I don't know who interviewed who, but I loved it anyway. I right. love it. This is what this is all about. <laughs> um, look, we got to end the hour here. I do think what I'm going to do here, though, is I, I think I'm just going to start this podcast straight up from the front because I think that first part of the 10, 20 minutes that we were talking was fire, too. Uh, and that's where people will hear the story of what I fucked up with you and Jelly Vision. So, uh, but, um, but look, um, tell people about Sales DNA. How can they learn more? What, what are you guys up to? Tell me all yeah, that. Yeah, quick, quick plug. Uh, SalesDNA.co slash badass. So I have a guide. Nice. It costs a bunch of money. But if you want to learn why, go to salesdna.co slash badass and you'll see videos and testimonials about why sales reps have bought it. So you don't have to hear from me. You can hear from them. Awesome. John, thank you for having me on the show, dude. As you know, I've been a huge fan. You've been a huge mentor to me and I'm super honored and privileged to, uh, to be on your show today. Yeah, and I appreciate it, Josh. And, and, and especially seeing where you've come, you know what I mean? And doing this, right, to help elevate the profession. I mean, you know, this to me is uh, its the greatest profession in the world when done right and the worst when done wrong. So I, I always love people who are doing it right and trying to raise the tide here. So really appreciate everything you're doing here, man. Thanks for having me on, John. All right, everybody. Well, hopefully you got some value out of this as usual. And like I say, go out today and make somebody happy. Uh, nothing else today but make somebody smile. You know you had a good day. So have a great week, everybody. Make it happen. Go Bruins. Go Bruins.